when we've blown it, we don't need to hide from him. We can run to him because we're not going to get law. We're going to get grace. Uh, when we're weak in our humanity, when we have sinned and failed, or like a prodigal, we have wandered, or we have done something that is just evil or sinful or foolish or out of character, if we turn to him, there's compassion. Well, howdy, Mark and Grace Driscoll Welcome to the Real Marriage Podcast. This is episode two on this season where we're dealing with spiritual gifts in marriage. And so uh, I was thinking about it. Um, one of the most interesting things you learn as a kid is how colors work. I'll never forget when I was in elementary school, they pulled out the three primary colors. It was uh, red, yellow, and blue. And they told us, you can make millions of colors out of these three base primary colors. And I thought, that's crazy. And then the teachers started doing combinations showing how the three primary colors turn into millions of colors. Similarly, when it comes to spiritual gifts, every Christian has one or more spiritual gifts. They mix together different degrees of spiritual gifting in addition to your personality, your life experiences, uh, the, in, the innate abilities and talents that God gives you. Some of you are musical, some of you are athletic, some of you have incredible tech capacity, some of you have natural pitch in your voice. All of that together creates a unique divine design. Mm -hmm. It's almost like your fingerprints are unique. This okay. is kind of like your soul. It's, it's uniquely you. And so what we're trying to do in this uh, series of uh, Real Marriage Podcasts is help you figure out who did God make you to be? Who did God make your spouse to be? And then what does life and ministry look like together? So uh, before we jump into what are called the serving gifts, and then a little later in episodes, we'll get into the speaking gifts. Um, maybe, honey, you could just give them some questions to help them think about how God has uniquely created and hardwired them and their spouse. Yeah, God says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And in that, we're individually unique, like you said. And so some of the questions that you can start to ask yourself and your spouse to figure out what your spiritual gifts are would be, what things do you find joy in the spirit doing? Something that you just naturally... Your soul just says that. It makes you I joyful. I was made for that. Mm -hmm. That fits, yeah. What things have people said you are innately good at? Is there just something that people constantly are complimenting you on that you do and you kind of don't even realize that you do it? You just do it because you're innately good at it. When people ask you for help, is there a common reason they are inviting your help? Is there something that people continue to ask you to do because they know you're good at it? Yeah, if people keep coming to you for something, it's because it's something that God has given you. Mm -hmm. What people or things do you have a burden for and care about? What would that be an example for you, babe? I mean, I, I care for single moms. You always have. Mm -hmm. You've always gifts and cars and groceries and prayer and support. And yeah, you've just always had a heart. I have a, I have a heart for men yep. to help them be husbands and fathers. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what people or things do you see that need attention that other people tend to overlook? Again, that could be, you know, single moms or men's ministry or well, sometimes too, we get frustrated because like, how come nobody took care of that? How come nobody saw that? How come nobody knows that? How come nobody did that? Because they don't have your gifts. Right. And your frustration might be the beginning of your calling. That's right. What abilities has God given you? 
i.e. athletic ability, a sharp mind, natural rhythm, perfect pitch, the things you just talked about? What what do you see that God has specifically given you? And so I would say within that too, honey, when it comes to the spiritual gifts, there are four lists, 1 Peter 4, Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12. And all of this, by the way, is in a free 100-page book that I wrote on spiritual gifts. If you just text gifts, gifts to 31996, just text gifts to 31996, We'll send you the full book. It's 100 pages. It's free. Uh, But part of what I argue in there is that these four lists of spiritual gifts in the New Testament, they're examples, not exhaustive. Mm -hmm. And whatever ability the Holy Spirit decides to use to do ministry through you, it counts. Yeah. And so in addition to the list, people have other abilities that God has given them that are part of life and ministry. Absolutely. What resources has God given you that could be part of your ministry? Do you have a company that you own? Do you have technical training, job experience? Do you have extra money that God has given or resources that God has given you that you can be generous with? What life experiences has God used to shape your character that could be helpful in ministering to others going through similar things? Maybe you've been injured or had an illness and you God has either healed you from that or you've had to learn how to endure through that and you still have it. That might be your witness to others. Maybe you've got a blended family. Maybe you've been divorced or lost a child or had an addiction that God delivered you from. Those are all things that you more easily empathize with people in and can help them to see Jesus' path to the other side of it. What things energize and motivate you that might deplete or overwhelm someone else? What is that for you? Um, I love people, but I'm an introvert. I'm not an extrovert. And that probably shocks people because I'm in crowds as a career. (laughs) But then what do I, what is the first thing I do? I I go to church. So like this last weekend, I I preached, you know, three times, was on the prayer team, laying hands, praying over people. I was out in the lobby saying hi to people, hugging people, giving little girls kisses on the top of the head as they (laughs) show me the photos they drew of me preaching. And then I come home. What do I do? Sleep. I took two naps. <laughs> I took a nap and then I needed another nap. I mean, I, I love people, but but it, it drains me. It doesn't energize mm-hmm. me. For you, you're around people all day and then you come home. I'm energized. You're I want energized. To talk about it. You want to be like, hey, let's talk about like, I can't. I need to go take my nap. Um, but teaching for you motivates you and, I love and fills you up. And I could teach 10 hours a day. Whereas for me, it's much more um, work and <laughs> time constraint and yeah. Uh, what other things have you learned about God's divine design of you through other resources? Maybe you've taken personality tests or vocational, uh, assessments. There's a lot of tools out there that you can try to kind of see about how God has made you, um, and just utilize all of it to see really what God is asking of you. And we aren't all called to vocational ministry, but every Christian is called to do the work of the ministry. So everybody gets to participate in this. If he's given everyone a gift, we need to open that and share that. So Paul says in Ephesians 4 that leaders exist to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So where we're going with this uh, season of episodes on the Real Marriage Podcast is if you're not serving— we want you to be serving in a local church. Mm-hmm. That is not just because the church needs you, but because you need the church. That's right. And not just because people need your divine design, but you need to be using and exercising your divine design. 
And what a better way to get to know people if you're struggling connecting at your church. It's a great way to work alongside people to get to know people and learn about them. So you and I have been serving together in ministry since college continually. It's one of the deepest ways that we've gotten to know, appreciate, enjoy one another. It has built our marriage and our friendship. It has spared us from a lot of pain and harm. And what we're telling you is the couple that serves together stays together. Yes. And as you're serving together, you learn to more deeply appreciate and enjoy one another. Mm -hmm. So we're going to jump into um, what we call the serving gifts. So there's three categories, serving gifts, speaking gifts, and the supernatural or sign gifts. The supernatural and sign gifts. We will leave for the free ebook. You can study it for yourself. <laughs> and uh, that's prophecy, tongues, healing, and miracles. But today we're going to start with the serving gift of mercy. mercy. The gift of mercy is in uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 8. The person with the gift of mercy, they have an unusual compassion, empathy, sympathy, understanding. Mm -hmm. They feel what people are feeling. They understand people's perspective. They interpret their motives and behaviors in light of their past experience. They kind of walk in another person's shoes. Yeah. And they can sit in their seat and see it from their perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, people with a gift of mercy as well, they are drawn to hurting people. Mm -hmm. and they um they want to help find they want to help them like, you're broken how how can we help get you healed up you feel isolated how can we make you feel included mm -hmm. uh, you feel rejected how do we make you feel accepted mm -hmm. uh, they are per people that um they tend to have a high compassion mm -hmm. and so um when you think of these people you can see that people who are hurting or struggling or broken or frustrated or confused automatically find people with a gift of mercy. Mm -hmm. That spiritual gift and the Holy Spirit in them attracts certain kinds of people. That being said, if this is your gift, if this sounds like you or your spouse, um, what we would say is every gift, every spiritual gift has a potential shadow side. Mm that the gift can be misused or abused. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people with a gift of mercy, um, they fail to hear both sides of the story. Mm -hmm. It says in uh, Proverbs 18, 7, the one who states his case first seems right until the other comes along and examines him. What it says is this, if you only hear one side of the story, you might not really know the story. That's right. We had this, I'll never forget, I learned this the hard way. It's brand new pastor, 25, I think, years of age. I was meeting with a young couple and first, well, first I only met with her. She came in and met and she said, I need to talk to you about my husband. He's being abusive. He grabbed me by the arms and restrained me. And I was like, oh no. Well, then he came in. I was like, what the heck happened? He said, well, she hit me in the head with a plate. He had a big gash, gash in his head from, and then she grabbed the steak knife. So I grabbed her arm so she didn't stab me. I was like, oh, those are variables. Yes, <laughs> yeah. for sure. Normally I wouldn't say it's okay to grab your no. wife by the wrist, but if it's holding a steak knife coming That's at your right. heart, that may be at least something yeah, to pray about. protection. And so oftentimes what happens with people who have the gift of mercy, they're high compassion, they're emotionally empathetic, and they sympathize and they align with, but they need to get both sides of the story. Otherwise they can wrongly take offense, pick up offense for another turn into the complaint department or rush to an erroneous conclusion. Especially in marriage situations, you got to get both sides. You got to get both sides. And sometimes too, with people that have the gift of mercy, um, they are so about helping someone in the present deal with their emotional trouble 
that they can forget the principle of reaping and sowing to pull back and ask, what life decisions did you make that contributed to this season? And True Mercy says, I want to help you with what you're going through, but I want to help you to have wisdom so you don't keep making these decisions and you can have a different future. Yeah, and people with the gift of mercy need to still point that person to Jesus because we can't save people, but he can. And so we just have to be cautious. And I've had to learn this through the years as well, that I am not trying to be their savior. Um, It's very easy for me with the gift of mercy to step in and be like, okay, I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll fix this, I'll fix that. But maybe they just, God is asking me to help them understand who he is so that they can trust him in the situation and I can help with some things regarding the situation, but it doesn't mean that I'm fixing all of it, but I need to point them to Jesus. In marriage, and part of this Real Marriage Podcast sermon series is trying to figure out, okay, how did God make me? How did God make my spouse? Mm -hmm. So you would say you have the gift of mercy, Mm -hmm. and you would say that I don't have the gift of mercy. So so I have a hard time sometimes understanding Mm -hmm. you and this part of you And I think early on, and I think this happens a lot in marriage, in the areas that we're different, it can be the areas that we're annoyed. That's right. And instead, we need to be appreciative because we're better together. So as someone who has the gift of mercy, just explain that to those of us who perhaps do not. (laughs) How do you see people when someone is hurting or broken or struggling? What is your first thought, response? What's going on in your heart? So I think... From the other side, if you don't have the gift of mercy, a lot of times people doing something or acting out, you just get frustrated or annoyed or hurt by it. Whereas if you have the gift of mercy, you assume that the person is hurting underneath whatever they're saying or doing. And so you try to give them the benefit of the doubt, at least that something must have happened that caused them to be in this situation. Yes. Where is that? How can we deal with that? And what role, if any, and sometimes not, what role do I play in helping them with that? And so for me, I would just assume that I'm supposed to help everybody that was having issues in front of me, which honestly was prideful in the beginning. And so I had to actually go to the Lord and say, Lord, are you asking me to help this person? Are you asking me to just pray for this person? Are you asking me to give a specific practical need or give them wisdom? Um, I learned to start to pray about what specifically God wanted me to do in each of those situations, because there's always needy people around us that are hurting. And so for me, I don't automatically judge someone. I automatically assume that they're acting out of some hurt or pain that they haven't worked out. And if you don't have the gift of mercy, all you you just like they're frustrating. I wish they'd they're knock annoying. it off. <laughs> knock it off. Stop it. Right. You you know you're creating work for everybody else. Mm-hmm. And so the person with the gift of mercy is trying to look at the issue behind the issue. Mm-hmm. And- so in marriage. If I do that, that's beneficial to you because I'm not going to just automatically take something personally that you're saying or doing. I'm going to say, okay, what's underneath that? Mm -hmm. That, you know, did I hurt you in some way? Did something happen that would have caused you to respond that way? And and what I would say too is for those that have the gift of mercy, this is where you're trying to work it out in the context of marriage. Because when we tend to think about spiritual gifts, we think about my gifts and my ministry. But if you're married, it's our gifts and our ministry Mm because we're one. That's right. And early on, I didn't fully understand your gift of mercy. And so I felt rejection a lot Mm -hmm. because anybody, it seemed like this would be an overstatement, which is, you know, my second spiritual gift is (laughs) overstating, but, um, 
it felt like if anybody came in front of you that was broken or hurting or needy or had a problem that you would drop everything you were doing and you would rush to their aid. And as a result, I felt kind of abandoned or rejected often like, unless I've got a problem, I'm not a priority. Right. Well, and that was an issue that I did have as well, that I, I only saw what was in front of me instead of keeping priorities first, first things first. And then mm-hmm. Lord, with the margin that you've given me and the gifts that you've given me, how do I minister to others with my gift of mercy? And so I did have to struggle through that and figure that out. So ministry then requires priority. Mm-hmm. And uh, when Jesus says, you know, love your neighbor, Martin Luther, the great Protestant reformer, he said, your nearest neighbor is your spouse. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think one of the mistakes that we had early on was I thought that ministry and using my gifts were first and foremost for other people. You thought that ministry and your gifts were first and foremost for helping other people. Mm-hmm. And it's first and foremost for building our marriage, That's right. that you're my nearest and dearest neighbor. And then God gave us five kids. And so what we're saying is ministry starts at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have gift of serving, start by serving your spouse and kids. If you have That's gift right. of teaching, start by teaching your spouse and kids. And then as your marriage and your family is strengthened, healthy ministry comes out of healthy marriage. Healthy ministry comes out of healthy uh, family. And uh, what a lot of people will do, they will avoid their spouse and kids to go serve the Lord and mm-hmm. do ministry. And and it's supposed to be first priority. So even the requirements of a leader in the New Testament, it's all about marriage and family. Mm-hmm. The ministry starts at home. And when it comes to this issue or this spiritual gift of mercy, um, this is absolutely seen in the life of Jesus. And so as we look at the spiritual gifts, we want to say that Jesus, of course, his ministry was perfect. He lived by the power of the Holy Spirit, and he perfectly exercised the spiritual gifts. Compassion, what is his number one? His number one emotion, mm-hmm. yeah. In uh, Spirit-filled Jesus, I got a whole section on the emotional life of Jesus, which is regulated by the Holy Spirit. And the number one emotion in the gospels of Jesus mentioned most frequently is compassion. Mm -hmm. That's the gift of mercy. And one of the reasons we love Jesus so much is because we know that he has compassion. When we've blown it, we don't need to hide from him. We can run to him because we're not going to get law. We're going to get grace. Mm -hmm. Uh, When we're weak in our humanity, when we have sinned and failed, or like a prodigal, we have wandered, Mm -hmm. or we have done something that is just evil or sinful or foolish or out of character, if we turn to him, there's compassion. Mm -hmm. And we see that in the prodigal story, the father practiced Yeah, think of some of the examples in the life and ministry of Jesus where the spiritual gift of mercy or in his example or in his instruction. I think, you know, the woman at the well obviously was just, he completely was compassionate and merciful toward her. And then she became an evangelist out of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was very kind toward women that were. She was at the well during the middle of the day, which is the hot part of the day. The the women would come to the well. So Samaria was it was uh, was an incestuous, false religion, demonic occult. God's people lived in the north and the south. Samaria is in the middle. They would literally walk around it. It was an additional few days walk. You know, you really hate people when you're willing to walk a few Mm -hmm. days in the desert to avoid them. Mm hmm. Jesus walks through Samaria because he has a divine appointment with the woman at the well. And she's there by herself because the women would come in the morning, but she wasn't welcome. Mm -hmm. She was an outcast. She had married too many men, been divorced too many times, was living with a man who was not her husband. The point for her was she was seeking 
a life-changing relationship with a man and she just kept picking the wrong men. Yeah. And then Jesus shows up and there's the man she's been looking for. Yeah. And he sits with her, which men did not do. He speaks with her, which Jewish men did not do. And he ministers to her, which mm -hmm. religious Jewish men did not do. Mm -hmm. uh, and that changed her life. Mm -hmm. He was the one man who showed up in her life, not to use her, but to love her. Mm -hmm. Same with Mary Magdalene. Same with Mary Magdalene. And so, yeah, this compassion of Jesus, it's interesting you note it. Oftentimes it is toward women and children. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He healed a lot of kids and... Yeah, he was very compassionate and merciful toward them. He's the perfect example. We see it in the Good Samaritan too. He was the one of the three people that didn't walk by the stranger on the road. And he actually stopped, took him to a place to rest and heal up and paid for the stay at the motor inn. <laughs> <laughs> Leave the light on for you. And uh, I was thinking about it too. Um, sometimes your favorite Bible stories are connected to your spiritual gifts because mm. you see your gifts in action. Mm -hmm. And the same is true with the kids. Uh, God just brings to mind when our daughter, Alexi, our youngest daughter was a little, her favorite Bible story. And I would snuggle in bed with her and I'd read the Jesus storybook Bible and I'd sing despite my horrible voice and I'd pray with her. And no matter what Bible story I read, she was always, and read the raising of Jairus's daughter. Yeah. Every time I read the raising of Jairus's daughter every night for a year. And she loved the story where there's a loving daddy and a sick and dying little girl. And Jesus shows up with the gift of mercy and he has mercy on her and he heals her. Mm -hmm. And it just, I just thought about that. That's because one of her gifts is probably mercy. Yeah. And so the story in the Bible about mercy, it resonated with the spiritual gifts that God put into her. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you can really get to know yourself, your spouse, your kids. What are the parts of the Bible that jump out? What are their favorite stories? What are their favorite characters? Oftentimes it connects to their gifting. Mm -hmm. Somebody's like, I love Nehemiah, gift of leadership and administration. <laughs> yeah. I love the prophets. Okay, maybe you're a prophet. You know, mm -hmm. you like to rebuke people for their sin. I love all the stories where people got saved. Maybe you're an evangelist. Mm -hmm. I love it when a broken, hurting person was loved and ministered to, mm -hmm. gift of mercy or compassion. Mm -hmm. I love it when somebody comes alongside to magnify the ministry of another, gift of helps or mm -hmm. service. Yeah. Um, well, we've got it in the free uh, book we'll give you, but uh, this is the story of Amy Carmichael historically. And what we want to do through this series is give you kind of the biblical, the theological, the life of Jesus, the historical and the practical. Amy Carmichael was a missionary, and uh, she had a compassionate heart for those in need in India. Uh, she witnessed a lot of uh, child widows, young girls who grew up to be temple prostitutes. Mm -hmm. And in the 20th century, Amy fought this practice by rescuing many girls out of the situation and into Christian community. Mm, uh, today, we would call that sex trafficking. And mm -hmm. she looked and she said, you know what, I have compassion and yeah. something needs to happen. Yeah. And uh, she elevated the status of women, showing them that Jesus loved them and had compassion for them uh, as the God of all mercy. Yeah. And it's really interesting because sometimes because of our own decisions, we do things that people reject us or neglect us. And sometimes it's not even what we've done. It's things that people have done to us yeah. that sort of diminish our status or our worth. And the gift of uh, mercy comes along and says, I, there's compassion for you. And we yeah. see you as God sees you, not according to what you've done, 
they uh, show the value to what God's done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So maybe, honey, in closing, just some questions to help people diagnose, is this my gift? Does my spouse or maybe my kids have this gift? Yeah. If you ask these questions, uh, do you find yourself being drawn to people who are needy, hurting, sick, overwhelmed, disabled, or elderly? Do you often think of ways to minister to those who are suffering and see people who are hurting, but often overlooked? Um, are you more of a feeler than other people you know who are more of a thinker? Do you find that when you visit those who are suffering, it brings you joy to share with them rather than it depressing you? And do you tend to see Jesus more as a priest who intercedes for people in love with patient compassion? Hmm. Reminds me of your dad. Mm -hmm. Grandpa Gibb, your dad, he was a pastor for 40 some years until he passed away. He definitely had the gift of mercy. Yeah. Um, why don't you just close our time together? And in the next episode, we'll jump into the gift of hospitality. So to prepare yourself, get your nachos ready, friends. <laughs> Dear Lord, thank you that you showed us perfect mercy and compassion and that we can discover this and use this to bless so many people if we're doing it by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Lord, I just pray that if any of these couples have this gift, that they would first use it toward each other and their families and then beyond in ways that you uh, show them that it can be used in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.